Next on BYU Sports Nation, BYU football will open the college football season at Arizona as a 13-point underdog. Are you cool with that? No. Jonah Trinneman gets a shot with the Green Bay Packers at a different position. Plus, the old hoops coach, Steve Cleveland, joins us. Just how much of a difference will Yoli Childs make for BYU? Let's go. This is BYU Sports Nation, brought to you by the BYU Store, simulcast on BYU-TV and BYU-Radio. Now, from Studio B... Here's Spencer Linton and Jerem Jordan. Happy Monday. BYU Sports Nation is live. Your day-to-day play-by-play in Studio B presented by the BYU Store, the official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Monday, May 21st, wherever and however you're connected, welcome. It is great to have you with us. I am Spencer Linton, teamed up with Royal Wedding Reporter, Jerem Jordan. I tried to get on HBO with uh, Cord and Tish, but they they never emailed me back. Like, I wanted to be a part of the broadcast, but I, I guess I wasn't. Congratulations to Carson Wentz on his, uh, on his wedding, to uh, Meghan Markle. Just really cool for the Eagles quarterback to uh, <laughs> seal the deal, you know? <laughs> Very excited. It's not, that's not Carson Wentz. Did oh, you want to be the sideline reporter for Court yeah. Tish? Yeah, yeah, totally. Absolutely. Are you in with Will Ferrell like that? Yeah, yeah. He's not texting me back right now, but yeah. It's all good. Hey, Yoli Childs got engaged. Big weekend. Yoli Childs got engaged. Congratulations to Yoli. So uh, that was the second biggest decision he made last week. Next to Carson Wentz and (laughs) Meghan Markle. No, next to coming back to Brigham. Oh, I'm just kidding. That was probably the biggest one for his life. Big week, man. Oh, yeah. You test the NBA waters. You decide you want to come back to BYU. And he really came back. He got engaged. And now he's engaged. He's putting down roots. (sighs) Well done, Yoli. Congratulations. And plenty of reason to rise and shout. It's time for What's Trending. You're talking about it, and so are we. It's What's Trending on BYU Sports Nation. This just in. As of this morning, BYU football will open the college football season at Arizona as a 13-point underdog. Listen, I know Tucson is a tough place to play. I thought it was Tucson this whole time. But 13 points? When is that game anyway? Countdown to the Wildcats. 103. Now, people, Thursday is a hundy. We're double digits on Friday. Ah, we are getting closer, but we're not actually that close. It's May. September 1st, 103 days away. Jerem BYU currently projected as a 13-point underdog. Yeah. In the desert. Too high, too low, or just right? We've asked this question. This is a new number. It was 11 or something when we asked it a few weeks ago. It is too high, meaning too much, okay? I'd go like 7.5. Arizona last year went 7-6. and six. They were 7-3. and three. Lost the last three, including a bowl game. They've got a new head coach in Kevin Sumlin, who's had some real success at uh, Houston and Texas A&M, mainly with Johnny Manziel. Quarterback Khalil Tate is awesome. We've talked about it. 62% passer. Ran for 1,400. I repeat, ran for 1,400. 9.2 yards per carry. 12 rush yards, 14 passing. So he is a dynamic QB that could give BYU fits. 13 is high for me. Like, how much better is Arizona than BYU? I don't feel like it's 13. I certainly feel like at this point that going into this game, it should be more than one score, and seven and a half reflects that. Typically, odds makers 
are well informed and know what they're talking about. So to, not always, but to most, a degree, yeah. I kind of trust where they are, but not 13 points. This is an indictment of the BYU defense and, and offense. Their perceived inability to slow down a Heisman hopeful, Khalil Tate. Well, and and how poor the BYU offense was last year. Arizona averaged 41 a game, but they gave up 34 a game. Different coaching staff. This is last year's BYU team still on the mind against a Heisman hopeful quarterback. No no Arizona quarterbacks winning the Heisman. That would imply that they would win like nine or ten games. Maybe nine points or or ten at the most. Ten at the most. I just don't see 13. Season openers for and against BYU have typically been low scoring. Yes. Minus Gary Croton's Tulane 01. That's like the exception. Especially when, one, BYU's breaking in a new offense and Arizona's breaking in a brand new coaching staff. If you have a Doak Walker award winner on your team, you can score 70 points in the opener. That's kind of the rule of thumb at BYU. It'll be sloppy. It'll be weird. And as good as Khalil Tate is, it just takes time to transition with a new staff. When you get in the heat of battle how play calls go in, how they're communicated, the timing. All of that is kind of being figured out again to BYU's benefit. I just don't see BYU losing this game by 13-plus. Do you see BYU losing this game? Period. I think Arizona has a couple of huge advantages. One, they've, they've got their quarterback. Yes, BYU doesn't know which one of its 18 it will play. And they're playing in Tucson. Even, I've said this before, even the 06 team, which in 05, BYU had like a top 20 offense, okay, with 6-6, six and six, lost to Marshawn Lynch and Deshaun Jackson in the Vegas Bowl. Even the 06 team went in there and lost, and that was an 11-2 and two squad. It is hard to go on the road and win a season opener, regardless of how good you are, okay? So regardless of whatever happens, BYU is going to have a tough time winning that game. But BYU went to Arizona two years ago and beat the same Wildcat crew, although it wasn't in Tucson, it was in Phoenix. Glendale specifically. Last week, BYU receiver Jonah Trenman was cut by the Arizona Cardinals, speaking of the University of Phoenix Stadium. This week, he has, two workout, he has two workouts with NFL teams. First with the Jets as we speak, and later this week with the Packers. Okay. The Green Bay workout is as a cornerback. Wow. Hallelujah. Spencer, does Jonah Trenman have a better shot in the NFL as a wide receiver or a cornerback? It is clear that he has a better shot in the NFL as a defensive back or cornerback, his measurables and athleticism all translate to cover guys, make up ground in a hurry with that 4-3 speed, knock down passes, leap, run, and cover. He's made for that. Also, he could be a solid cover guy on special teams with those skills. Play defense, make money. Kalani Sataki was on to something when he referenced this on Pro Day to us. Okay, yes, I told you this last week. Jonah is an incredible athlete, as you mentioned. Broad jump three inches short of the world record, not the NFL combine record, okay? Incredible vertical and 4-3 speed, as you mentioned. I told you this was an option last Tuesday. What if Jonah Trinneman is a cornerback? He's got all the numbers that would scream successful cornerback. The quickness, the speed, the agility, the broad jump, the vertical. All of these things, these things scream defensive back, in my opinion, for Jonah Trinneman. You don't have to catch the ball if you're the DB. It just You take that element out of it, and Jonah Trinneman has these uh, assets that, yeah, I would like to see what he can do. 
as a defense back. We we have no idea, but he's such a good athlete. Just give him a shot. Can you stay on a guy? They're just going to put him out there and say, okay, stay with this try guy. and defend this guy. Stay with this guy. If he makes a move, cover the ground. Make up the ground. Now, it's, it's hard to just suddenly switch positions, especially in an NFL trial. Like, that is certainly a challenge. He's not going to automatically just translate. But the hope is that there's enough of that to where he could learn quickly. Jonah Treneman is a perfect fit for a defensive back and a special teams cover guy. Well, then why wasn't he one at BYU? The NFL, because he opted not to be. Yeah. BYU couldn't get him the ball uh, enough slash maybe he didn't do enough on his end. I don't know. It takes two to tango, I well, guess. Well, it's hard because you've got – He off- got one touchdown pass in two years. You've That's not good. You've got offensive coaches saying, no, 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 we need his explosiveness on offense. Yeah. And then defensive-minded coaches saying, well, we could utilize him in the secondary and let's think about his future. Like – there's always a battle going on for what we need right now compared to, okay, where is he going to make it best as a professional athlete? It's interesting. I don't know. I, I, I am excited to read about what comes from this opportunity with the Green Bay Packers. Now to basketball. Thus far, BYU's roster remains intact aside from Elijah Bryant. And I know that's not just any player. We're talking about the guy who led the team in scoring. Still, compared to last year, when BYU had a turnover of seven guys, it's only one player this year. And Yoli Childs is coming back, along with Nick Emery. TJ Haas will be a junior to a team that we're told will get back to more run-and-gun style of offense. Jerem, if that is the case, who will the top three scorers for BYU basketball be next season? In this order, Yoli Childs, Nicholas Emery. And T.J. Haas. I have Yoli at 18, Nick at 16, T.J. Haas at 14. That's almost 50 points. Okay, over the weekend, there was some conversation with Elijah Bryant and Jashir Hardnett on Twitter referencing something I mentioned on the air, which is I didn't think that if Yoli Childs left and Elijah Bryant that BYU could think, okay, we're probably going to make the NCAA tournament. I just They haven't in the last three years. I, I didn't think that was the case. So they started interacting, and Elijah Bryant mentioned uh, to Jashir, Tell them you averaging 50, 50. Well, 50 is probably what the top three are going to average. Um, I'm hoping that Hardnet can get close or into double figures. Six points per game last year, 46% from two, 33 from three. He took 4.6 shots per game. I expect Joshir Hardnet, who tweeted that he shed 12 pounds and is a little quicker, can be a, a, an option more on offense. Granted, the system, I thought, uh, restricted not only possessions to value possession, which is a positive championship value, but I think that BYU's roster is made up of dudes that want to get out and run and sling it a little bit more. The top three last year combined for just under 48 points a game per average. I don't think it matters who number two and number three are. I think Yoli Childs will be the leading scorer. You can flip-flop Nick Emery and TJ Haas. But I like the direction that you're going with. Who else? Who else is going to contribute? Jashir Hardnett. Gavin Baxter. What can he do? Can Dalton Nixon throw in a big game here? Can Zach Selye shoot three-pointers? Zach Selye is a sleeping giant. And make a difference for this BYU basketball team again. Hey, when You're going to get around 50 a night on average from these three. And you want to push probably 80 points a game, so... Who are the guys? Who are the guys? So the top three, yes, are going to be Yoli Childs, Nick Emery, and TJ Haas. But if BYU wants to be better 
and more competitive and win some of these big-time non-conference games, it's going to come down to the guys beyond those three. Can BYU have more of a bench presence? That's the hope. And that it's, we hope it's not a rhetorical question during the season. Terrell Owens is headed to the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Why are we mentioning this? Because he was in town over the weekend to meet with former BYU 80s running back. He's not in his 80s. He's played in the 80s. And Canton bust maker Blair Buswell. There you go, Blair. He is, he is really famous and does all the bust. I went to uh, Canton last year. Saw that. They're amazing. They're amazing. Chad Lewis and Reno Mahe. Former Eagle te- Eagles teammates had dinner with T.O. over the weekend, and they gave him some BYU swag. Thanks to Ben Criddle's tweet, we have T.O. repping the Y. He's wearing a BYU shirt. Look at that. Look at that. So, Spencer, which celebrity is the best ever to rep the Y? Terrell Owens is pretty good. Like, that's, that's, my, that's my T-shirt. That's, that's, that's my quarterback. That's my tight end, that's Chad Lewis. That's pretty good. <laughs> if we're talking strictly celebrity it's got to be BYU alumnus Aaron Eckhart, right? Two Face rocking the BYU cap a few years back. Yes, he's still repping the Y. Hollywood movie star. Let's go, Aaron Eckhart. I go with uh, Chris Pratt. There's a picture of Chris Pratt. This has got to be from like '99 or something. <laughs> he's, in, he's wearing a BYU Cougar shirt. But the topper to all of this is the Snoop Dogg picture with sister missionaries, and Snoop is holding the Book of Mormon. Is that repping the Y, though? It's the W-H-Y of my life. (laughs) Yes. Yes. Pretty cool that Terrell Owens was wearing BYU swag. Uh, I heard that Terrell's uh, daughter may even come to the BYU women's volleyball camp this summer. Outstanding. So that's cool. Well, just the fact that Chad Lewis – Reached out to him while he was meeting with Blair Buswell and said, hey, let's get together and gave him some swag. Yeah, like, Eagles got it. Eagle. Well done. Well done, Chad. Oh, plus, yeah, plus those Eagles guys are reveling in not only the royal wedding for Carson Wentz, but uh, winning the Super Bowl. It's a big time for the Eagles right now. Absolutely. People are like, Carson Wentz got married? <laughs> I have no idea. If he's <laughs> Prince Harry he and looks Carson, like Carson Wentz, Wentz do have some similarities. <laughs> yes, they do. <laughs> They do. <laughs> oh, good stuff. Our question of the day. How much of an underdog, if an underdog at all, should BYU football be at Arizona on September 1st? Does anyone think BYU should be a favorite in that game? There's not a soul, right? Let's go to the Voice of the Nation. This is the Voice of the Nation on BYU Sports Nation. On Twitter, at Twiggy or Stone, I'd say seven points. Arizona knows who the starting quarterback will be, and he has experience. The new coach also has a proven track record with mobile quarterbacks. Johnny Manziel, notably, coached by Kevin Sumlin at Texas A&M. Johnny has been more mobile post-Texas A&M than he was pre. He's now in the CFL. Yeah. Ryan Tannehill is another guy that worked with Kevin Sumlin at Texas A&M. Not mobile. He's not mobile? I thought he was a running quarterback in college. Running. Well, in the NFL, he's not. Did Different he, game. he was a receiver. Different game, right? He switched from a receiver. Yeah. I, listen, I know Kevin Sumlin's track record. He had an incredible season or two with Johnny. Other than that, it's kind of seven to nine guy, right? Like what Bronco Mendenhall was. So it's, Is a seven to nine Arizona team 13 points better than BYU? 
maybe a nine, a seven. Nine if a seven-win Arizona, if a seven-win Arizona team is thirteen points better than BYU, we ain't, we ain't going anywhere. In Listen, December. this is an indictment on BYU and their perceived inability to stop Khalil Tate. This has nothing let's, to do with Kevin Sumlin because he's in his first year. It's all yeah. about Khalil Tate. Let's play Tate. this game before we like Khalil anoint Khalil Tate as I know. I don't put him in the same in the Heisman category though, because Arizona is not a team that competes in the Pac twelve at a high level. Therefore, he ain't getting an invite to New York. Sorry. I'm not saying he's getting an invite to New York, but I am saying that he will be in the conversation to start the season because his oh, numbers were to so start gaudy. The season is cute. His numbers were oh, so gaudy. Yay! Look at it. Like once you get to the midway point and beyond, that's when the real players play. Khalil Tate is good. He ain't getting an invite to New York on Come Facebook. On. Kevin Kelly, BYU should be an underdog, but that doesn't mean they can't get a win. Arizona True. is one of those teams that often underachieves. It, I believe Arizona is the only team that's never. Either gone to the Rose Bowl or won the Rose Bowl. Is Scooby Wright still like, playing linebacker for those guys? Yeah, no, it ain't happened. Coming up, more from the Voice of the Nation on the line at Arizona. And next, the old hoops coach, Steve Cleveland, joins us. How many more games will BYU win with Yoli Childs coming back compared to what they would if he weren't back? This is BYU Sports Nation. BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store, the official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. And we will be at the BYU Store, the official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere, Friday at noon Eastern time. If you're local, you want to hang out with us, come hang out. We will be there this Friday at noon Eastern time. Welcome back, BYU Sports Nation simulcast on BYU TV and BYU Radio. The conversation rolling on social media. Follow at BYU Sports Nation on Twitter and Instagram. Check us out on Facebook. Hashtag BYUSN whenever, wherever, however you would like to converse with us. Answer this question of the day. How much of an underdog, if an underdog at all, I need to wear blue goggles when I say that in parentheses, should BYU be at Arizona on September 1st? This in from Twitter at LaserSheep. Seven points. Arizona is no Goliath, and BYU shouldn't be favored coming off the season they had last year. I think one score is appropriate. I expect... A BYU victory. You expect a BYU victory. Wow. Arizona, by the way, has never played in the Rose Bowl. So, yeah. Arizona, former WAC rival with BYU back in the 60s. It's in Tucson, and they have their quarterback in place. This is why they are a heavy favorite. Totally. It's Khalil Tate. Like, Khalil Tate probably swings this line like a a big number, like seven or eight. Exactly what I'm saying. Yeah. Exactly. Hashtag BYUSN Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, whatever you prefer. More of your responses coming later in the show. Joining us now on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline, former BYU basketball head coach, friend of the program, overall outstanding college basketball analyst, Steve Cleveland. Coach, great to have you back on the show. Hi, guys. Good morning. It is a good morning, and it's a good morning because we uh, recently discussed Yoli Childs coming back to BYU. What does that announcement and that revelation mean for the future, the immediate future of BYU basketball? Well, you have the most improved player in the program coming back. You know, you start looking at uh, his first year and his second year, and the differentials are incredible. I mean, from nine points a game to 17.8, uh, stayed with about the same field goal percentage, improved his three-point shooting uh, from making none as a freshman to making 15. Uh, just overall free throws, assists, rebounding, everything that he did 
number of block shots, everything was up plus. Came off a great sophomore season. Uh, he brings back leadership. He brings back a commitment to winning the WCC. I heard some of his comments and uh, about getting back to the NC Toy Tournament. So that experience going there and uh, testing the waters a little bit, I think probably did a great deal for his confidence and knows some of the things that he's going to have to do to get better. You coached Paul George in college. Uh, what's, the, what's the experience like for a coach and a coaching staff when you deal with guys that dip their toes in the waters? And in the case of Paul, I think he just went right, and you had others. But Yoli Childs had a conversation with Dave Rose, and he wanted to uh, you know, do certain things to elevate his stock. How do you manage the, the needs of the team versus the needs of an individual like that? You know what? I, I think it can be a real positive thing. And I, I think that anytime a young man comes, you've got to support him. Uh, and we've talked about this before on the show. I mean, one of the things that you do in recruiting young men is you help them to get to the next level. I mean, those are conversations that you're having. But it can be a really positive thing between a head coach and the players and how he handles that with the other players. And, and, and it's all about relationships and focusing, as you said, how do we reconcile the, the team goals versus the individual goals. And you can do that. And I think one of the things that will happen this summer is that Yoli's probably gotten some instructions and some things he can do better. He's going to come back really motivated, really committed, and the coaching staff should be really excited about it and helping him. And I think that's where the relationships get stronger, where everybody sees that, hey, this coach has my best interest at heart, and, but at the same time we're still trying to win championships. And you can reconcile both and do it very easily. It just needs to be something where both coaches and players understand each other and understand that, hey, this is going to be for the betterment of the team. We want to do things that are going to help you as well. So I think it's a win-win and a very positive situation. Former head coach of BYU basketball, Steve Cleveland, with us on BYU Sports Nation. Last week I said with Yoli coming back, I feel like, let's say, BYU goes from 21 or 22 wins to around the 25 or 26 mark. I think he's worth three more wins. I think he's that good of a player, Coach. Uh, am I crazy to think that one player can make that much of a difference in the win-loss category? No, because he gets to the free throw line. I mean, he shot 76 more free throws this year. Uh, his ability to rebound the ball at almost nine rebounds a game. Uh, he's distributing the ball because he's drawing the attention of sometimes two and three defenders. He's allowing others to get wide open. No, there's no question about it. You don't want to think about the year without him. <laughs> uh, having him there uh, puts them in a situation where they have a dominant inside post score and now somebody that can step out and stretch and hit the little stretch three. And I know that's probably something he'll be uh, working on during the course of the off season. But no, having Yoli come back uh, is is a huge difference maker. He's a difference maker on this team and uh, protecting the rim, rebounding it, scoring inside, now getting to the free throw line. What role do you see Nick Emery playing on this team without Elijah Bryant in the backcourt? Uh, does he kind of fill that space to a degree? No, I think he does. I, I think Nick is going to come back with a really, really good mindset. He's had to go through some tough, difficult things in his life personally. He's had a lot of time to reflect and think about it. I know he's been working on his game, uh, working on his body, and, and working on his, his mind as well. So I, I actually think he comes back, has a huge addition to the team, I think that it'll be one of being a great teammate, one of helping others. And, uh, and, and you know what? When you're away from the game, you don't take the game for granted anymore. I think he's going to have a respect for the game and a, and a respect for his teammates in ways that he's never had before. 
With Nick Emery back in play, joining TJ Haas and Yoli Childs as well, where do you feel like this BYU team has the biggest hole? What do they need to shore up to get better compared to the last two years? Well, I don't think you can have enough people that can shoot the basketball. You know, one of the things last year is that BYU did not shoot the three ball real well. And uh, even TJ, who had had an amazing freshman year, kind of dropped about 10 percentage points. Zach Selyus, who was considered to be a, you know an outstanding three-point shooter. I think Dalton Nixon can be a really good three-point shooter. I think that they need to shoot the three-ball better. I mean, that's something that BYU has always been known for, and, uh, and it, it gets them separation in, in close games. So I think the three-ball is something that they need to focus on. I think that the decision-making offensively has much improved over two years ago. I think that they'll make the shot selection. Those were never issues in games last year. I think defensively they were better. I think they'll continue to be better. I think they understand as a unit and as a program that how important defensively it is going to be. I think they'll play with a little more pace. I think, honestly, at home especially, that they can play with more pace, especially when they have an altitude advantage and people are on the road and it's a, it's a tough place to play. But uh, I, I, would, I would say that three-point shooting is going to be really important to continue to focus on that and then sustaining – the defensive end of things, and uh, and where they've grown, continue to grow. How much better of the three-point shooting performance are we talking about BYU needing? They they were thirty-four point seven percent last year. How much does that need to right to raise up? You know, I, I think they need to be in the thirty-eight to forty percent. I mean, that's what's going to make that's going to make the difference between them winning a WCC championship or winning a WCC tourney or getting to the NCAA tournament. And I don't have the statistics in front of me, but I'm pretty certain that in the day of the three ball that that BYU teams that have gone to the tournament have shot the ball well in the 38, 39%. And I think that with Coach Rose and looking at his teams over the years, you know, they've always kind of been known as a great three-point shooting team. And that's an area that they're going to need to really work on. And, and, and oftentimes it's just a matter of a little bit of confidence, spending the time. These are good shooters. It's not like there's, you've got three or four whose who shots are broke. I think it's just a matter of knocking a few down, having it happen within the system. I also think sometimes that getting it in the early, early in the shot clock in transition where you have an advantage, designated guys have the green light, I think that can help uh, increase confidence as well. There are some talented players that maybe didn't play to their potential as, as we've been discussing, but what dormant offensive player could erupt this next season? Well, I, I mean, you've got somebody that's been in the program and – and Dastrup that, that has the capabilities of doing it. And I think for him, it's as much mental as it is physical. I think his commitment to the weight room, his commitment to just conditioning, his commitment to having the right mindset. I mean, he is a young man that has lots and lots of skills offensively, and, and, and they need him to make that next step. I, you, you saw him play. I did not see him play. I, I understand that. Devin Baxter is a really, really athletic young man that could have an immediate impact in this program, whether it's scoring or not, I'm not sure. I think someone, too, that between Dalton, Nixon, and, and even Bergerson, who didn't get a lot of time, those are young men that could step up and be a surprise. Dalton Nixon wouldn't be a surprise to me. Uh, I, I believe that he can be a, an integral part of this team, and uh, if he's healthy, he could have a huge impact. Coach, clearly Dave Rose and his staff got the message from the NCAA Tournament Selection Committee that they need to ramp up the schedule. So much so that now we're wondering, 
Is the non-conference schedule that BYU has put together for the 2018-19 season too tough? What do you think about it? No, you know what? I think you have to make a commitment at some point in time. I mean, hey, they're in a league now that generally you're going to win 12 to 14 games. Now, that, that doesn't happen very often. However, I do believe that with the improvement of San Diego, UOP, uh, and, and others, and then San Francisco, I think St. Mary's will be down a little bit. I do believe the league will be tougher this year. There's, there will be more parity in the league. Younger teams are now a year older. So it will be a more competitive WCC. I think you have to make a statement to the NC2A committee that, hey, we're willing to do this because we've been in the tournament, and, and BYU has a long history of being in the tournament. Uh, and, and certainly there are some difficult, challenging games. But those are also kinds of games that you go on the road and win those games can get you locked into the tournament. And then if, even if, if you lose those games, it may be the reason you beat a Gonzaga or you beat somebody in a big-time game at the end of the year in a tournament. So I think there's nothing but positives. You do have to be careful about scheduling. I mean, <laughs> I, I remember uh, uh, learning very often in my coaching career from veteran coaches is that you have to be really careful about the schedule. But I think the message is being real clear now from the NC2A tournament that, no, nobody wants to schedule themselves out of a job. But at the end of the day, scheduling along the board, not just with BYU, but around the country. I mean, how bad do you think St. Mary's felt winning 27, 28 games and having just an amazing year and doesn't go to the tournament? So the NC2A has spoken loud and clear. You've got to make some adjustments, take care of it. But uh, if it doesn't help you in terms of getting a W early on, it may well help you later on getting a W at a really important time, like the WCC tournament. Coach, great stuff. If you were shooting threes for BYU, the percentage would go up. You're right. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I just wish I just wish we'd have had the three ball. <laughs> would have changed your life. Well, <laughs> yes, changed sir. my life. Yes, sir. Hey, coach, thanks for the time. Great being with you guys. Take care. Steve Cleveland on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline. Deseret First, your values, your timeline, your financial future. Fun fact, Steve Cleveland had this amazing flow and a big mustache at UC Irvine. He was an anteater. But no three-point line. No three-point line. He's too old. Sorry, Steve. (laughs) Sorry. Coming up, a man who has run a four-minute and two-second mile will be in studio. Abraham Alvarado helps us preview the NCAA West preliminaries later this week. Dude has five sisters. How about that? Sisters. BYU will face three teams in the college football season that finished last year in the top 25. Who are they? And what they're expected to do next. This is BYU Sports Nation. BYU Sports Nation friends, welcome back. Spencer Linton and Jerem Jordan hanging out in Radio Vision live on BYU Radio. Simulcast on BYU TV. You know the drill. We're on demand anytime, anywhere, and are proud to present some of today's top BYUSN stories. It's your BYU Sports Nation headline. Former BYU wide receiver Jonah Trineman working out for the New York Jets right now and the Green Bay Packers later this week. The Packers will work out Trineman as a cornerback, and we both love that decision. Cornerback, not, not quarterback, just to be clear. BYU softball beat Albany 16-0 Friday, then lost 3-0 to Drake to end the season in the NCAA Regional in Eugene, Oregon. The Cougars finished the year 36-22 and with the West Coast Conference title and a 14th straight NCAA Regional. Congratulations to the Cougars on another awesome season. Yes, and they are bringing back a ton, a ton 
of talent. They'll be right back where they were. BYU baseball dropped their final game to Pacific on senior day, 6-5, to five, and finished the season with 22 wins and 28 losses. Just the second time in six seasons under Mike Littlewood, BYU finishes under 500. The Cougars honored five seniors on Saturday, including Brennan Anderson, Nate Favero, Kendall Motes, Rhett Parkinson, and Hayden Rogers. Cougar women's golfer Rose Huang advances in the NCAA championships after the first three days of competition. She's in day four today, tied for 17th at three over going into today. And she begins in four minutes in Stillwater, Oklahoma. Good luck to Rose Huang. Let's go, Rose. This also just in. Athlon Sports released their projected top 25 teams is BYU in for it? 2018 college football. Quote, this is not a preseason ranking of teams going into the season. Instead, this ranking takes into account where we project teams to finish after the national championship in January. So BYU's 23rd. Calling their shot. Well, That's next level ranking, right? Yeah. That's next level. Let's call it a prediction. BYU opponents expected finishes this upcoming January. Boise State at number 19. Okay. Athlon has them as the <gasps> color me shocked top group of five team. Where'd UCF go? 11 wins. They win the national championship and they just float away? New Year's Six Bowl. Well, Scott Frost is now coaching Nebraska. Yeah. Wisconsin at number nine. Ooh. Borderline playoff team. They always are. They're always a borderline. And Washington at number eight. Clear number one Pac-12 team. Undefeated Pac-12 record. Then why are they eight? Why aren't they in the top? Because they have them losing a non-conference game, apparently. So a one-loss Pac-12 team doesn't get into the playoff? That's a problem for the Pac-12. No, that wouldn't happen. Come on. They're getting in. Why are they number eight if they're the an undefeated? I got to look at Washington's they lose two games? schedule. They'd have to lose two. Like a power five team with one loss going into the playoff, going into the playoff would be in this just in. Okay, I'm looking at Washington's ESPN schedule right now. Who are they losing to? Auburn. Okay. They open the season against Auburn. Ooh, that's a good one. Where? In Atlanta. That's a loss. In the Chick-fil-A kickoff or whatever it is. Yeah. Mm, Chick-fil-A. Sounds good. They host North Dakota, and then they host BYU. That's the non-conference schedule for Washington. So a probably, one... There are two losses there for the Huskies. Oh, my goodness. A, <laughs> just looking at that, if they, have, if they are projected to have an undefeated Pac-12 slate... Do they lose the they Pac-12 l- title game or something? And it's their maybe, second loss, and they maybe. can't Maybe. Why are they eight? If, okay. Three teams in the top 20 according to Athlon, yes. where they finish. This is after the playoff and everything. They could lose a playoff game and get blown out, and they're like, eh, you're eight, whatever. But two in the top ten. I, it's generally uh, generally the idea has been, okay, Wisconsin and Washington are top ten teams. Woo! Those are the two most likely clearest losses Both for Both road games. Yes. Even if they're at home. You remember what happened at home last year? That was rough, right, with Wisconsin? Alex Hornibrook was crazy efficient, 18 of 19 or something. Like, it one drop, and that was it. It's like, ooh, it's getting hot in here. <laughs> At Washington, that's a place that even the 1996 team went up and lost in, right? Max Hall and company in 08, they go 10-3. and three. Washington doesn't win a game that year, but still it had to be a, a penalty on Jake Locker and a blocked uh, PAT by Jane Jorgensen. That's a tough place to play. So Utah, Arizona, and Cal – 
not being projected to finish in the final top 25. Arizona for sure. I'm not high on the Wildcats. Like, just generally Clearly. speaking, when, it, when are they actually good? They finished in a three-way tie in 2014 to get to the Pac-12 title game. About three years ago, they were in a New Year's Bowl game, right? Yeah, and that was like a peak situation. And then they got Congrats, blown Congrats, you still haven't gone to the Rose Bowl. <sighs> How much of an underdog, if an underdog at all, should BYU be at Arizona on September 1st? That is our question of the day. On Facebook, Ryan Cribs. I think people overestimate Arizona. Yes, they do. They're a basketball school, and their football is often subpar. I Listen, Arizona could lay the smackdown on BYU in game one. Like, they're at home. They've got a dynamic quarterback. They've got a new – they're excited. You know, like, totally. BYU hopefully goes in there and sneaks one out. That'd be great. 13 points. Our issue is with BYU being yeah, it's a 13 just, point underdog. Is that too much? What's the perfect number to you? To me, it's 10. 10. I say 7.5. BYU stunk so bad and returns the same players that everyone's like, nope, they're going to stink again. And they're bringing it's, back a guy that, I mean, the Pac 12, they're kind of prone to hyperbole, okay? They, they, we can't. Are you, yes. are you serious right now, Clark? Yes, what I'm saying is in terms we are of, prone to hyperbole. In terms of how they stack up against yeah, yeah, yeah. the best players in the nation, the Pac-12 are overtly we out there. We never use hyperbole. Overtly out there about Khalil Tate being one of the best quarterbacks yes. in the entire. Always, country. every time, never, Spencer. <laughs> At WD Heath forty on Twitter, it's fine to be the underdog now. I just look forward to the end of the season. When we'll all see how silly that prediction was. We hope so. Keep the, keep the tweets and Instagrams and Facebooks coming. Coming up, Brandon Davies wraps up his EuroLeague Final Four run. How, does it, how did his Lithuanian team finish? Your voices matter, people. Keep sending in those responses. And he's one of the top 800-meter runners in the entire country. There he is. Abraham Alvarado hanging out in Studio B next. This is BYU Sports Nation. He's faster than that, though, really. BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store, the official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. And we will be in said BYU Store coming up Friday at noon Eastern time. If you're local, come hang out with us. If not, it's going to look different, and it's going to be awesome. It's this Friday at noon Eastern. Can we get a coupon for the BYU Store? <laughs> I'm going to go shopping after. I would hope so. <laughs> Live from Studio B with your day-to-day BYU Sports play-by-play, I am Spencer Linton alongside Jerem Jordan. Our daily BYUS and rebroadcast airs weeknights, of course, including tonight on BYU TV at 6 p.m. Eastern. Our question of the day How much of an underdog, if an underdog at all, should BYU football be at Arizona on September 1st? This in on Twitter at Colonel James83. Regardless of whether BYU is an underdog or not, BYU will beat Arizona. It'll be like 2017, or was it 16? 16. Close, low-scoring game with BYU coming out victorious. That's all that matters. It is all that matters. There's, there's lines and then there's results, right? Results matter more. It's Khalil Tate. It's there's, the Khalil Tate game. It is. There's schedules and then there's actual results. Let's not, let's not celebrate the schedule more than the result, okay? Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. Join us using the hashtag BYUSN. More of your responses later in the show. Right now in the show, we welcome 
one of the best runners for BYU track and field, middle distance superstar Abe Alvarado. Abe, welcome to Studio B. Appreciate it. Thank you. It's about time we got you in your senior year. This is uh, your last hurrah. Uh, What are you looking to accomplish over your last few weeks as a BYU runner? Um, There's actually a lot I want to accomplish. Um, It's I've been running at the NCAA level for five years, and I want that national title. So In the 800 specifically? Yeah. Okay, so you are a middle-distance runner. And, and let's start with the origin story here. So you're at Cal State Stanislaus, mm-hmm. and Diljeet Taylor is there too. She comes to BYU, and then you came to BYU too. Was she like, hey, let's go run a BYU, let's go? Yeah, so it, was all, it all played out weird. It was like two weeks before school started. I'm getting ready for our cross-country camp, and, you know, I'm working, and I get this call, and she's like, well, I didn't pick up right away because I was working, but she's like, hey, could you call me once you're done with work? And I thought it was kind of weird, and sure enough, I give her the call, and then she breaks down the news, and at that point, it was kind of like, like, I don't want to go to Utah, but (laughs) I want to stay with my coach. So, yeah, it was, she convinced me to come with her. And what did you think about that experience? Take us back to the first time you set foot on campus and you see everything. What what was going through your mind? Um, I thought it was a nice campus, but I at first I didn't like it. I was like, yeah, I don't think I'm coming there. But then she convinced me again to just roll with it, and I did, and I've liked it so far. So is it was it worth it? Yeah. Yeah. Are you a better runner because of BYU? That decision? Um, because of elevation? <laughs> um, I think, yeah, they have a lot of resources that I think have made me a better runner. Awesome. So you run in the 800. What are you ranked nationally? What, what are your times? Uh, my personal best is 146.6. Um, I, I don't know about rankings. I don't like to look at them. I just like to show up and compete. And the competition that's next is the NCAA West Preliminary. So what do you need to do to qualify for nationals? Um, I need to – so regionals has 48 runners, and then it goes down to 24 and then 12. So as long as I'm top three in my heat every race, I should make nationals. Awesome. And do you expect to be there in the top three of your heats? Oh, yeah. That's not a question. No hesitation. I love the, I love the confidence yes. that Abe has brought be- into Studio B. Yes. NCAA West preliminary. So, um, like, you're a senior. This is it. So, how excited are you, and how have you translated that into your training for this specific competition at the end of your collegiate career? So, indoors, I had a pretty good run. I finished fifth. Um, And then going into outdoors, kind of, I was, you know, fit, confident, but then I had a little nag injury in my hip, and finally it's kind of gone away. So now I'm, like, ready to roll again, and confidence is back. As you look back on your entire career, what's the best run or performance you've ever put together? Uh, I think that one is last summer at the USA Championships. I made the final and got seventh. I I was ranked, like, 28th or something, and I think that was my best run. That was my PR, too. And that was professionals and amateurs, right? Yeah. Seventh. Yeah. In the 800, that's that's big time, man. That's awesome. Thank you. Appreciate um, I we saw your mile time, the fastest 40270. Yeah, you want to break the four minute mile? Yeah, I really do. I think this year I ran it twice. I feel like if I would have ran it again, I think I would have I would broke four. But well, what is it about you know like Roger Bannister breaks the four minute mile? You know, back in the day, and now like 
a lot of people have broken it or whatever. What is it about like um, a record like that, and then someone does it, and then it's like, okay, it's possible. Like, yeah. what do you, what do you think of that? Um, I think it's kind of cool. I mean, the sky's the limit. I feel like the mind is the most strong muscle we have. So, I mean, if you convince yourself you can do it, you're going to do it. That was really deep. Well, the mind is the strongest muscle. I love that. He's running a lot. He's got a lot of time to think, right? (laughs) (laughs) Are you one of the, um, are you one of the, uh, no shirt, no problem guys around town? Yeah. 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 You're one of the guys. Yeah. I no sure no problem. <laughs> hey, don't hate. Yeah, you know I'm not hating. I'm just saying. I see him. I go. Hey, there's the cross country team, and it ain't Provo High. <laughs> what other teammates do you expect to have a good week at the uh, preliminaries? Uh, I think Rory Linkletter. He's, he's he's okay, right? Yeah, he always shows up. Um, Connor McMillan, Danny Carney, um, Clayton Young, Clayson Shumway. Um, yeah. The BYU has fielded like a b- more than they've ever fielded, I think, in the in the West preliminaries. Yeah. What's it like in the team dynamic to say, okay, let's go rep the Y, let's go get this done? Um, so I've never, like I said last year, I didn't race at regionals, but from what I've heard, regionals is like everyone comes together and just you know everyone cheers everyone on, and it's like it's like a team actually. Like as every other meet, it's kind of like individual, mm-hmm. but like regionals, it's like okay, guys, let's get it done. Abe, as good as your running career has been, um, I commend you for finishing school all while being. Hey, you just graduated. An athlete. Congratulations. Congratulations, hey. man. Very exciting. Great stuff. Uh, we would love to have your autograph on our stretch wide flag uh, just over your shoulder. And I'm not sure if you're aware, but when athletes come on the show, we give away BYU Sports Nation karma. Okay. And typically that turns into good luck. a it, good performance. It works. It, it, <laughs> You're already amazing, yeah, so you're going to yeah. be amazing plus we one. We don't now. give it to athletes that suck. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. <laughs> they, they, good, the good get better. Yeah, so give us your signature, and you'll be on your way. NCAA West preliminaries coming up. Sacramento, Sac State hosting. Big time. Big time for NCAA, or the, uh, to try and get into the championships at Hayward Field in Eugene. That's good luck the to goal. All, good luck to the crew. That's the goal. Okay, Abe has signed his autograph. Hey, thanks for the time, man. Hey. Appreciate it. Appreciate it. Thanks. Handshakes around for all. Okay. Yeah. I'll be expecting that 145 next week. Yes, okay. So 145. 145 on the 800. Okay. Thanks, he's got, he's got places to be. He's out. Races to he's run. Gone. He's, he's got, listen, he doesn't have time for this. <laughs> he's got to go train for that. He's out. Doors, <laughs> doors and closed. And the doors closed. Yeah. No, they don't typically leave uh, while we're on the <laughs> air, but okay. Yeah. There he goes. There he goes. Is right, Dave. Coming up, Rose Swang is underway, and in the top 20 at the NCAA Championships, we will update her status coming up in the whip. Brandon Davies played in the EuroLeague Basketball Final in front of NBA rookie star Donovan Mitchell. What kind of stat line did he put up in front of Spider Mitchell? This is BYU Sports Nation. BYU Sports Nation is brought to you in part by DexterLaw.com for help when you need it most. Shout out to today's guests, Steve Cleveland and Abe Alvarado. Our sincere apologies to Dennis Pitta for running out of time. Not that sincere. If you missed any part of the show, you can always download the podcast on iTunes or Google Play. Coming up tomorrow, Chris Vanini of The Athletic on his preview of Cougar football. Let's whip it. It's time for the Cougar Whip Around. Football. Former wide receiver Jonah Trinman worked out for the Jets this morning. J-E-T-S. And has a workout scheduled this week. 
with the Green Bay Packers as a cornerback. Softball. Beat Albany 16 to nothing on Friday in an regional elimination game. Then lost 3 to nothing to Drake to end the season in Eugene, Oregon. The Cougars wind up with 36 wins, 22 losses, a West Coast Conference title. And a partridge in a pear tree. Or in other words, a 14th straight NCAA regional. Baseball. Batcats finished the season 9-3 uh, with a 9-3 and 6-5 loss to Pacific over the weekend. BYU honored five seniors, including Brendan Anderson, Nate Favero, Kendall Motes, Brett Parkinson, and Hayden Rogers in the final game of the year. Golf. BYU women's golf star Rose Huang in the NCAA championships after the first three days of competition in Stillwater, Oklahoma. Rose is now three over, tied for 17th. She just I believe she's just teeing off. I think she's on the first hole right now. Yeah. Yep. Cougars overseas. Brendan Davies and BC's Algiris took third place in the EuroLeague Final Four. That's a big deal in Europe. Davies had himself a double-double in the first game, then scored two points, four rebounds in the second game. Charles Abua had 19 points, 11 rebounds, and three assists in France for FOS Province Basket. Cougars in the minors. Jacob Hanneman, three for four with two rounds for the AAA Iowa Cubs and win over the Omaha Storm Chasers. Maverick Buffalo, five innings, struck out four, and a Lansing Lugnuts win over the Bowling Green Hot Rods, single A. Colton Shaver had a hit and two RBIs for the Quad City River Bandits in a pair of losses to the Beloit Snappers. And Colton Mahoney pitched five innings for the double-A Jacksonville Jumbo Shrimp, struck out one, and a loss to the Mobile Bay Bears. Today's Rise and Shout brought to you by Dexter and Dexter. Help when you need it most, DexterLaw.com. Terrell Owens and Chad Lewis. Repping the Y, Terrell Owens uh, got some BYU gear for Chad Lewis, so he wore it. Nice job, T.O. How much of an underdog, if an underdog at all, should BYU be at Arizona on September 1st? Our elite voice of the day at 86 WI Coog, 17 plus, trying to reverse the curse of Jerem Jordan to start the season off right. Yeah, BYU by 17, or Arizona by 17 plus. <laughs> Conversation continues 24 7 on Twitter and Instagram. For Jeremy Spencer, shout out to Rodney Rice.